0: Layla from Layla Ali Lifestyle on Podcast One. Now, as an undefeated boxing champion turned fitness and wellness expert, I'm going to be bringing you the information that you want to hear, be a champion in every area of your life. You can download new episodes of Layla Ali Lifestyle every Thursday at PodcastOne.com or subscribe at iTunes podcast one and forbes present mentoring moments with denise rastari a show where women you may never meet will become your mentors join denise in her new york city apartment and tap into her conversations with successful women who are dropping the v-bombs that's right they're getting vulnerable now here's your host denise rastari
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to my apartment here in New York City. It's, we are going to have so much fun today because my guest is Libby Moore. Libby was my first guest on my first podcast. So talk about brave. She was here. She We had the best time. So we're picking up today, a year later almost, to see what's happened and what's gone on. But let me tell you a little bit about who Libby is. So she was Oprah's chief of staff for 11 years. And that might sound like a dream job. And I think it was a dream job. And for many of us, it would be a dream job. But it wasn't the job Libby dreamed of all of her life. When she was in college, she dreamed of writing for Saturday Night Live. But when that didn't happen, she took control of her life. And she did things her way. And she was just her. And that's how she got that dream job. With Oprah by being her and then four years ago Libby went on a different kind of a dream and she went on the Libby Moore gypsy tour 365 days with no plan what she was going to do at all except follow her heart and be her authentic self just be true to her. So now she's a speaker, she's an adventurer, she's a certified life coach, and she's a little more than a certified life coach. We're trying to figure out what to exactly call it, but it's a life coach plus, we'll figure out exactly what to call it. She's a connector, a board member, and mentor to many. And she is a force in the absolute most positive way. I just adore you, Libby. I just adore you. (laughs) And she's she's like, (laughs) we're being girls. Stop laughing. Sorry. Thank you. you, I adore you too. A few days before. Thanksgiving last year, I call Libby, and she's like, "Okay, I can't talk right now. Can I call you back?" I'm just leaving Rikers, and I'm like, okay, "I don't know why you're at Rikers." I mean, for all I know, she was convicted, <laughs> but I'm thinking that probably isn't it. But I don't. Know. But it's like, I want to be at Rikers with you, wherever she's at. I, I want to be with you. I want to come to Rikers. So hopefully, I, have, I don't. Really, I know that you you were there, Libby, that you were there with some young men at Rikers for a pre-Thanksgiving dinner, and hopefully, we'll talk a little bit about that today because I do want to hear more about yeah. Rikers. So every time I'm with Libby, we laugh, we usually cry. So just be warned because we really do move each other. We, we, we look at each other with that, with the really serious like life questions Mm -hmm. and things that are perplexing us. So prior to starting our recording today, Libby and I are sitting here talking and I'm talking about, I'm done with that, the segment that we do here on the podcast. And I'd said, you know, there are so many things I'm done with and I hear young women a lot talking about they're done with not following their hearts. And Libby and I spoke at a Forbes Shinola event, and Libby told her story about traveling 365 days a year. And the young women were just like, oh, my God, I want to do that. I want to do that. But they're balancing between that and what about my job? And I said, you know, so, and then or they're balancing between that and their boyfriend. It's like, oh, I want to travel, but I got a boyfriend. Oh, I want to travel, but I got a job. Oh, I want to travel, but my parents are saying, what, are you crazy? You're giving up with your job. And I said, they need to be done with that. Yes. And I need to be done with that. We need to quit caring about what other people think. Mm. That doesn't mean you don't care about other people. Mm -hmm. that there's a huge difference between those two things. But when you really want to do something and you believe it, you need to go do it. And I said, but you know, those things don't happen overnight. And Libby said, oh, but they can. And then we started to record the podcast. So we're going to pick up right in the middle of our conversation Mm -hmm. here, because I'm saying that I think some things can happen overnight, but the big things in life can't. So I want to know how they can happen overnight Mm. because I want to make them happen overnight.
2: So first, thank you for having me back. This is so exciting. I I really, really the first time I did this, I I just thought, Oh my God, uh, uh, will I be okay? And then what has rippled out from this when it, came out in April, I think it was, has been extraordinary. So thank you, thank you, thank you to you and to Forbes for having me back again. Well,
1: it goes both ways. And I don't want to be a girl, but I will be a girl because I am a girl in that girl moment in that great things have happened to the podcast. And so many people refer back to our first podcast Mm. and say, you know, you and Libby just had this rapport. You just clicked. You were in sync with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what really gave the podcast that initial burst of people saying, I want to listen to episode two. Right, and twenty something now. Yeah, <laughs> so congratulations you. to you. Thank you, but congratulations to you. So I want to know how
2: we can change it overnight. Overnight. So when I left the the job with uh, Harpo and Oprah, it was five years ago, January first, two thousand seventeen. So we are. It's January fifth right now. And it's so perfect that I'm sitting here with you exactly five years since I left that job. And when I left the job, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I just thought I need a year. I've been with her for 11 years. It was absolutely extraordinary, as you would imagine. It, it is, she is the number one influencer on my life and continues to be today. I feel wildly grateful for that opportunity. When I left, I was so burnt. I was so fried. I decided I'm going to take one year and do the Libby Moore Gypsy Tour, as we talked about, and spend 365 days following my heart. So, to answer your question, that Gypsy Tour of a year of following my heart um, led into people saying, Well, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going to do exactly what I've been doing the past year. What's that? Connecting with people heart to heart, energy to energy, which is exactly why you and I connected. As people know, that listen to the first Uh, a podcast between us, we, you you didn't Google me. I didn't Google you. I just knew you were at Forbes and you knew I was Oprah's former chief of staff and we sat down and we just, we were, you know, just like completely connected heart to heart. And we had no agenda, no agenda. And the most beautiful things have come out of having no agenda and a friendship too Mm -hmm. with us. So, um, I, I told people, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to connect heart to heart, energy to energy. And people would say, well, how are you going to make money doing that? And I said, I don't know, but I love this so much that I know the money will come. So that has now led into uh, the coaching, the speaking engagements, all these other things that are rippling out from there. So to answer your question in the past Five years. I think I just said that three times. So to answer your question, Denise, this is how we roll. Um, this is because we think this way. Exactly. So so what I've really immersed myself in in the past five years is, okay, so I'm going to take 11 years of watching the Oprah show, right? Sitting in my office watching two tapings a day, morning and afternoon, three days a week of all these teachers and masters and extraordinary, ordinary people that have come along uh, you know, everyday people who have done extraordinary things. And watching that content for 11 years, which I call getting the Harvard, the, the PhD from Harvard in human behavior, human potential, all of that. And I thought, I'm going to take a year and just really see if it's true. If you follow your bliss, can the money come? And all of those things, if you follow your heart, what does that even mean to follow your heart? So- In particular, in the last two years, I've put three years, five years, a lot of focus on can our thoughts change our life? And the answer is yes. So if you say I am done with being a procrastinator, which is one of the things I thought in 2016, I am done with this. And my friend and I got together um, December 30th at her little cottage in Connecticut and they have a fire pit and it was freezing cold. I said, "Okay, write down three things that you're done with for 2016, which is so timely of this conversation. And I'm going to write my three things down. And then we're going to write three things down that we are welcoming into our lives in 2017. And then we went outside and this is nothing new. People have been doing it since the beginning of time, I think, you know, and you, you really read that intention. I am done with being a procrastinator was one of my things. And then you light it on fire and you put it in the fire pit pit and you watch it burn. And you just say to yourself, to the universe, whatever you prefer, I'm done. I am done done with that and the truth is when you're really sick and tired of something that's not serving you anymore and blocking you and being an obstacle in your life you really are done with it so uh, it's amazing how it's only been five days but things that I normally would be like "Eh, I'll do that tomorrow or I'll put that off next week just boom 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 and it feels so good that now I'm getting uh so into the feeling of feeling good that I don't want to do that anymore so
1: I was thinking yesterday in the elevator. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm in the elevator. I come home from a long, long day of just running around, and I'm exhausted. And I'm kind of being a New Yorker in the bad sense. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of not, I'm not pushing people, but I am almost pushing people to get back to the apartment. Mm-hmm. It's cold. I just want to get home. I barely say hello to the doorman, I mean I say hello, but mm-hmm. not... Engage in any conversation. I get in the elevator. I see someone coming towards the elevator. I hold it for her, but my heart's not in it, but my Be a Nice Woman Mm -hmm. is in it. And I look down on my phone, and there's an email from the husband of a good friend of mine who has been ill with cancer. And they're taking her out of the hospital today and taking her home for hospice Mm -hmm. for the final days of her life. And Libby, it was that boom moment for me that, okay. If this doesn't define the difference between urgent and important, mm-hmm. because here I am just zooming around. I'm so important. I've got to get back to my apartment. I've got I'm tired. I've got work to do, mm-hmm. and that's important in its own way. My work is important, mm-hmm. but not half as important as my friend Joyce. Yeah. And sometimes, and I don't, you know, mean to be a sad moment because it was. I said, okay, I'm really going to take stock of myself. Of What is urgent and what's important in my life? Mm -hmm. Urgent meaning, you know, what do I think is so important, so urgent that if it doesn't get done now, the world will fall apart. If I don't Mm -hmm. get a post published tomorrow, oh my God, Mm -hmm. you know, is anything bad really going to happen? No. Right. But if I don't talk to my mom today, hopefully nothing bad will happen, Mm -hmm. but it's a different meaning behind that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that one for me is an easy one to switch not overnight, because I know I'll go back. Mm-hmm. I know I'll go back into my bad habits, and I, I will have to consciously keep bringing myself forward, mm-hmm. right? It's not like I'm going to wake up and say, okay, I'm changed. Right? I, now I'm not going to say, work is important. I've got to run people over. i got to mm-hmm. do this. But I, I think by saying we're done with that yes. takes us into this mindset of that when we do it to say, no, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever right. your words are that yes. make you say that. And so this morning when I was like, I've got to do this, I got to, I took myself back to, I'm done with yeah. that. Yes. I need to focus on what's really important yes. in life, but that's hard to figure out what's important. But let me go to the other side, being a perfectionist. I've been trying to give up being a perfectionist for years mm-hmm. and I'm still not there. I say I'm going to do, I try. I mean, I really, but I keep going into the, to the whole of perfectionism.
2: Right. So that is probably one of the biggest, you could almost call it a disease, right? Perfectionism. Mm -hmm. Number one, it's this big illusion because there's no such thing as perfect. Even the perfect diamond, if you had a strong enough microscope, uh, you would find a flaw. So really, we are setting ourselves up for failure. Do, I mean, really, I feel like the word perfect should be deleted from people's right. vocabulary. And maybe that even comes from the 1950s when you're supposed to be the perfect housewife, that thing, you know, your husband comes home, you make him a martini, whatever. He relaxes like the Dick Van Dyke show. Remember? <laughs> right, yes. Um, for those the, of where you everybody that, slept yeah. in separate beds. <laughs> yeah, right. They exactly. their Twin beds. Twin it's, beds. Is, it's, it's ages ago, it's yes. Hysterical. We're aging ourselves. Um, but anyway, it, it, my point is... I realize that a lot of what we do as human beings is, and again, I'm just realizing this, you know, at 50 years old for the first time in the past five years of immersing myself in this experiment that I'm calling life, the spiritual, scientific, human experience that I'm calling life. This has been talked about forever, you know, and and the people that I've been really, studying and listening to their interviews and reading their books and just really understanding their content, Oprah, Tony Robbins, um, Wayne Dyer, Esther Hicks, Abraham, you know, Byron Katie, all these people and so many others, Deepak, Marianne Williamson, have been talking about it forever. It's the same thing, all articulated in a different way. And what's my point? We knew this was going to happen at some right, point, right?
1: right? We, if you've listened to our first podcast, we do this. We're like, Libby and I are both, yeah. okay, well, I'm not sure we're both ADHD diagnosed, but we are both like, oh, on the, over the charts and we forget what we're talking about. Yeah. So we're talking about how to take, I can't believe I'm helping you. Yeah, okay. So we're talking about how to take
2: perfectionism and how do you quit being a perfectionist? So my point is, um, Dr. Wayne Dyer is one of the best people of this. Change your thoughts, change your life as a teacher. So if you keep saying, oh, I'm a perfectionist or, you know, I'm trying not to be a perfectionist, you just keep yourself stuck there. So I think that we need to radically, radically change our vocabulary, what we're saying. And my point of saying that was, you know, basically we're just modeling what our parents did. They were modeling what their parents did and they were modeling what their parents did. So we're kind of, we have this essence of doing what our great, great, great grandparents did because that's how it got passed down. Because the child learns more about what's modeled for them than what's told them. You do this or don't do that. What they're really doing from birth to until you leave the house is watching and mimicking what your guardians, your parents, whoever raised you, your grandparents, you know, you're doing what they're doing. So in the coaching practice that I have, every single person, there's not one person who isn't doing something that the person who raised them did when they make that connection and go, Oh my God, my mom's the negative person. That's where it came from. We don't have to spend days talking about why your mom did that. It's just like, okay, so now you know where it comes from. How are you going to change it now in your life? And the, the first you can, thing you can do is stop telling yourself You know, I'm a recovering perfectionist or I am a perfect, like change the language. So I should say
1: to myself,
2: what's, what's the language I should use? I'm doing the best that I can do. I'm going to do the best that I can do. So remember that story, I think I told you in the first one where I, um, when I first started working with Oprah in the first, I don't know, like six months, I said, I'm sorry. So many times. Yes. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. That's what I would say. And even I got sick of hearing myself say, saying that. So when I made a mistake and I was talking to her on the phone and I, I said, I'm sorry, you know, I'm not a perfectionist in that tone. It was mm-hmm. so, it makes me cringe right. to think that I said that. And she said, Libby, um, I don't expect you to be a perfectionist. I expect you to do your best. That's it. Just do your best. And that freed me, you know, cause I was a perfectionist. I was always trying to be perfect and that was making me trip up even more. Right. 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 Anybody right. who's a perfectionist yes. oh knows God. that it just it's it, in your way and it, it'll, if you're a writer, you can't write because you think I'm not writing that first sentence the right way. So, right. so if you just take that out of the way and I do believe that it can be that easy. When you say, I'm done with something, right. it can be that easy. If you say to yourself, this is going to be really hard right, because I've been a, protect, a perfectionist my whole life. Guess what? It's going to be right.
1: really hard. Okay. I'm changing the language because I think it also ties in though with what I was saying earlier about you can't care about what other people think. Yes. So I'll speak for myself. I know for my perfectionism, a lot of it comes from what will other people think. Mm -hmm. So if I'm writing a post, say I'm writing a post about you. Yes. I want that to be a good, I want you to read the post and say, I'm really proud of this post. You know, I I like this post. I'm not, I'm not investigating you for any crime or anything. Mm -hmm. So this is not a... investigative journalism piece. It's about the great things you're doing. So sometimes I'll labor over those posts though, because I'm representing you in that post, right? And so it's like, I want this to show the Libby I know. If I'm writing a thought piece for myself, it's not so hard because it's like, if I say something I don't like, I said it, I'm the person. So a lot of that goes back to caring. And here's the crazy part about it. I don't know how you're going to react to anything, right? For what I'm thinking, Libby may like this, but for all I know, it may be something that you don't like. So I'm spending a lot of time worrying about something that I don't even know what it is. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? It makes perfect sense. It's like, I don't even know. It's worth worrying about.
2: Right. And, and I mean, this could be a whole session right, right. here, but we're not going to do right. that. Um, I feel like I'm in therapy. <laughs> right. I was going to say, you know, there's, um, uh, a great book, which it's called, um, I think it's called dying to be myself by Anita Morjani. And this is a woman who basically in a nutshell cared so much about what other people thought of her, always trying to do things for other people. Blah, blah. Ultimately she got cancer and she was on her deathbed and she had a, NDE near death experience where she actually died. You know, the doctors, she was close to death or she died where the doctors say like to her family, she's not going to make it. But her experience of what was happening on the other side, I'm saying in quotes, so to speak, whatever you want mm-hmm. that to be was so profound. She came back to life essentially, and now is on uh, written books and is on the speaker circuit talking about her experience with, Oh my God, we don't have to be perfect. We, it's not about what others think. It's about being true to yourself. It's about self-love, which is at the core is everything. It's about learning to love yourself. And you know, that's something I'm still working on today. I'm so much further along than I was even three years ago or six months ago. And it feels so good. I had to, so I grew up in, um, a community and, um, for me, a small town community where, as we talked about before, you know, I knew I was gay since I was a kid, but I thought, oh, no one would ever accept me. so um, I didn't come out until I was twenty seven years old, and that to me put me in overdrive on being the best friend, the best daughter, the best, everything because I thought if people knew I was gay, they wouldn't like me and they wouldn't love me so. I went into overdrive of people pleasing so much so that it became my career. Right. I didn't think I thought I was going to be a comedy writer in comedy, but then I became an amazing caretaker essentially, you know, as a executive assistant and personal right. assistant all the way up the ladder to Oprah Winfrey. So my point is when I came out at 27, I started was the first time when I really started becoming myself and I still work on it today at 50. Like who am I peeling back the layers? That's why I couldn't do fake B roll. I was like, I I can't do that. I'm not perfect. I'm not Pollyanna. My God, far from it. But, uh, I do like to just be myself as much as possible because I live so much of my life, not as myself consciously. And I think that's
1: so freeing when Mm -hmm. you can be you Mm -hmm. and, I'm so much more me now than I was 20 years ago. And I think it's very freeing in some ways there was more me than there is now because there's that politically correctness sometimes that goes that you think, okay, you're, people are listening to you differently, Mm -hmm. right? So when you're on stage, you want to say things differently because you don't want it to be misinterpreted. And, but I, but I really am more me now than I've ever been. A lot of that is through, um, just being with Lewis, my husband, because as you know, Lewis is very much Lewis. Yeah, I mean there right? <laughs> <laughs> do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he's just Lewis. And mm-hmm. um and he's a wonderful person. But he he says he's him, right? Yeah. He's very authentic. And that's one of the things I love about Lewis yeah. is that he's authentic. So I've learned growing up, it was, and you talk about your parents, that growing up, I was very much be the good girl, like so many women, right? Mm-hmm. When I ask women to share their, I'm done with that. And I just did a post on Forbes is doing great. and I'm going to do one every month because women are writing to me and they're, they're like sending me their gospel, which is great. I mean, I'm, I'm great. I'm, I'm very grateful they're doing this, but it's like, I'm done with this and I'm done with this and I'm done with this and I'm done with this. And then they're, they go on this role of, all the things they're done with yeah. so it ignites them I think to yes. be able to say I am done with this yes and I'm going to change this which yes. I think is really powerful yes but to do that you've got to be authentic to mm-hmm. your authentic self what are you done with mm-hmm So I think being, you know, I'm having an easier time being authentic Mm -hmm. as I'm getting older. Doing the podcast is sometimes hard for me Mm -hmm. to really say, I'm going to just be me. Mm -hmm. Because what, and I've talked about this before, but so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but what goes through my head is, ah, so-and-so will listen to it and say, you should have asked Libby this. So-and-so will listen to it and say, ah, you didn't talk enough. You know, we're looking for your input, Denise, as well. So-and-so will look at it and say, you didn't let Libby talk enough right? Maybe uh, your mother, uh, <laughs> your mother might say that. But so I try to get all those voices out of my head yeah, before right. I go in front of the microphone right. and say, you know what, just be you, whatever yeah. you are today. If you're tired today, it might show up that yeah. you're tired, but it's human. Yes. And that's the part I think that we have to give ourselves permission. Not think I know we have to yes. give ourselves permission for. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the other things I'm done with saying, I think, yes. Okay. High we're, right we're high there. fiving. Oh my God. I say, I no. I don't think, obviously yeah. I think it. if I'm saying it, I yeah, think it, Right. But it gives you, by saying I think, gives you the freedom to back off of it, kind of, yes. right? It's like, well, I think. And then you could say, oh, no, Denise, you know, you can change in a day. Yeah. Then I would say, oh. Yeah. It's a, Versus saying, that's a great new insight. Yes. I thought I knew this, but now I know something else. Yeah. I, it gives you a freedom to be wishy-washy, is what saying I think. That's what I think, think, think. I think that
2: is. well, and also, and I'll jump in right here. One of my, um, I'm done with is playing small.
1: Yes. Yes. To, and I hear
2: that from so many women. Oh my God. And I think is like, Oh, I think, you know, you, you have this image of right. somebody, a lot of men don't say, I, I don't know. They're not, like, I don't I think I powerful think, women do either. Right. Well, yeah. And, and also I'd like to say, um, I'm done with saying we can just ping pong on this. I, I don't say this, but I hear a lot of, like, I'm being a girl, or this is very, right. what's wrong with being That's a girl? That's what I said. That's okay, because I am what's, a girl. Right? Right. What's wrong right. with being, I love that right. you caught yourself. What's wrong with being a woman? Nothing. Right. We are human beings that have masculine energy and feminine energy, and there might be some like really... Met, um guys guys are like I don't have feminine energy you you do and right. you're just calling it something different <laughs> it's like when you're listening to your partner, you know right. what I mean I mean yeah, I'm done with playing small. I did that for so long i, I this just popped into my head so I'm gonna share it <clears throat> even though I know it's gay my whole life in sixth grade you're like, oh, I guess I have to have a crush on a boy because I'm a girl and you're supposed to have a crush on a boy right so I had a crush on this guy, and I was like, you know where I'm in sixth grade, and I just thought. Oh, His jokes aren't even funny. I mean, he's okay. He's kind of cute, but I really have a crush on her, right? Like, she's smart. She's funny, this other girl. But I was like, all right, you know. And around him, I would just laugh at his stupid jokes and act like he knew more than me in sixth grade. Why? Because we're conditioned to do that. At least we were in whatever year that was. I don't think it's changed much. Right. Okay. So. And that is a thought. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So. The way to change it, again, I'm just sharing stuff that I've learned over the course of my life. This is not something I'm making up, right? We've we've read it in a million books. So the way to change that is to change ourselves. So every woman, for example, listening to this podcast, if every single woman decided, um, I'm done with doing that. I'm not going to play small. I'm not going to fake laugh. You know, I'm not, I'm going to step in and share my thoughts you'll catch yourself. All you have to do is tell yourself that. And then you'll catch yourself. Oh my God, I just fake laughed at that person. That's not even right. funny. You know, whatever. Um, I just lost track again. Isn't that interesting? Uh, but, but anyway, it's when, when, um, talking
1: about, I am talking about not saying, I oh, think, oh
2: yeah, I think it makes us
1: small. It makes it small. Just, I can't believe that I'm like I'm the one who's remembering. Because
2: yeah, right. I, can't remember, I love that. Doesn't I can't that feel good? I'm the one I had for breakfast. See, okay, just like that. <laughs> right. Stop saying that. Because you're my friend, I can right. be really direct with you. <laughs> I'm gonna be so on you and you're gonna be on me okay. about this stuff. Like even saying, Oh, I can't remember I but I really can't <laughs> if you believe that, <laughs> right, then that's exactly right. what you will be for the rest of your you're life. Right. I'm not even teasing. Because even like I didn't realize that I had, let's call them ADD qualities mm-hmm. until two years ago when I started living with um, friends of mine. I was helping them out with something and this woman was a specialist in ADD and stuff like that. And she's like, uh, of course you're ADD. I was like, what? I didn't realize that. I just thought I was a creative person with lots of ideas going around in my head. Right. That was a much healthier thought than what I've been telling myself for the past year and a half to people. Oh, well, I'm ADD. Why do I need to say right. that?
1: Who cares? Okay, we're going to quit saying that. Yeah. One of the reasons, though, I do say it is because my daughter has learned, Allie has learning Mm -hmm. differences. And one of the things that I think it's really important for people to know Mm -hmm. is that you can be whatever it is you want to be. Yes. With whatever differences you have. Okay. So by saying, so I, I really do it as not as a downplay to me, but as a, we all have things to deal with, whatever it is, whether it's our parents, whether it's a bad history, whatever it is, you know, we all have baggage. Yes. And if you have a learning difference or a learning disability, but called differences, um, I think it's good to know that even with my ability or to, even though I can't remember something, I really can't, I not like when we're talking, yes, I yes. have to really focus. I, yes. I've told this story when I'm moderating a panel. Yes. I sometimes, ha- when I lean in and people say to me, that's so great that you lean in, you're so part, you know, you're not a part of the panel, but your energy is in the panel. Yeah. And I say, I really do it for a different reason. Yeah. I have to look at that person and focus because yes. if I don't, I'll look at her shoes and think, ah, oh, what a great pair of shoes. Wonder where she got them from right. Yeah, because I have to keep my mind focused. Yes. So, you know, looking at that and saying, so I tell people that I'm ADHD to be able to say, but that doesn't stop me. That doesn't stop me from moderating a panel. Yes. That doesn't stop me from doing the podcast. Yes. It's, it, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Just, you just have to work around it because you're using other skills that you have that are bigger than those. Absolutely. So you're taking your best qualities. Yes. Working as much as you can with the qualities over here on the left side. And really tapping into what do I do that's great? Yes. And what I, and I'm not even going to say I think. What I know I do that's great is I'm genuine and I'm authentic mm-hmm. and I will share my stories and that brings out other people's stories. Yes. Because we are share. we're both sharing authentic stories. Yes. So I think that's what I have. So that overcomes my being able to say, what's the next question I want to ask Libby? So I don't, yeah. even, I don't even have, as you can see, I have yeah. absolutely not one question in front of me.
2: Yeah, I love that
1: because everything is so free flowing because I never get to them anyway. Yes. But I agree with you. We shouldn't say I'm ADHD as a cop out.
2: Right. Yes. Thank you. I'm so glad you brought that back because I didn't want to. um, I don't mean to say in a way that people that truly have severe this, that or that, um, that's very legitimate. So I want to I'm glad you brought it back to that for me personally. I'm talking about my own personal experience. When I started telling people, it seemed to get worse. Right. For me. Um, and so. Well, it gives you something to play into. Yeah, right? yeah. It
1: gives you, it's like, well, I'm, AD, I'm ADD or I'm ADHD. Yeah. So yeah. That's, that's why I am. You know, I told the story that when we were at the Under 30 Summit and Richard Branson was on stage mm-hmm. and he got distracted. They asked him a question. And he got distracted because he was staring at some pretty woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's why he got distracted. Yeah. But whatever his reason was. Yeah. And he looked at Randall Lane, the editor of Forbes magazine, who was asking the questions and said to Randall what was the question? I forgot. Yeah. He's yeah. on stage. He's, yeah. he's being filmed. Yes. And I thought if he can say that on stage, yes. we should all just be that human because we're thinking so many things, you know, he may not have been distracted by the pretty woman. I'm making, I'm kind of making that up, mm-hmm. but he was looking at her. He may have been distracted by some business deal that was going on. And he said, I really yeah. don't know what yeah. distracted him, yeah. but we have so many things, or maybe the question made him think of, Somebody important in his life yes. that took him away for a second, right? right? And then had to focus him back. Yeah. So I don't know what was going through his mind, but from that point forward, I've been giving myself more permission to say, just be human. Yes. Just be you. Yes. If you forgot something, okay, I forgot. I yes. forgot. What,
2: what were you talking about? Yes. I would say, okay. I love that story. The reason why Oprah became one of the many, many reasons why she became so wildly successful on that show and why so many people responded to her and she resonated with so many people was because she was herself. So when people would ask me, is Oprah really like that? Like she is on the, like she was on the show. I said, yeah, that's her 100% plus funnier, plus smarter, plus, you know, I mean, she's that and so much more. So She was completely herself. She didn't, you know, she would make mistakes. She would. So because she was that way, she would allow people to be themselves and just do their best. Um, I think that being perfect is old paradigm. I believe that this is my belief. Being perfect quotes again is old paradigm. Doing your best is current time new paradigm, because even you notice when you see people, uh, what's a good example? And they're just so perfect. It, people want realness. They, they want authenticity. I mean, that is the buzzword now. Look at Instagram. Eh, you know what I mean? Everybody's about like, just be yourself. All these quotes and things. And people are still figuring out, how do I do that? That's what I think is interesting. Right. Because perfectionism gets
1: in the way. So you're looking at how do you put up the perfect picture with the perfect saying.
2: And don't you feel, and I'm guilty of that too at times for sure. I'm not, and there's no such thing. Like I'm still working this stuff out. There's no finish line for any of us. I don't care if you're 25 or 105. There's no finish line. If you're interested in evolving and learning more and growing and peeling back the layers.
0: Want to make some improvements in your life? Well, then check out Bulletproof Radio. I'm Dave Asprey, founder of the Bulletproof Executive and creator of Bulletproof Coffee. Each week on Bulletproof Radio, you'll hear from thought leaders and visionaries from around the world to learn what it takes to live in a state of high performance, where you're in control of your own biology. Look better, feel better, be better. Be one of the supercharged thousands improving their lives every week by downloading Bulletproof Radio at PodcastOne.com. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Farmers! Seen it, covered it. Click for more.
2: We are
0: farmers. Bum bum, 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 bum,
1: Underwritten by farmers, truck fire insurance, exchanges and affiliates. Products not available in every state.
0: You're listening to Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari.
1: So I know for our listeners, mm-hmm. what's a learning from your days with Oprah? I know everybody loves to know your Oprah days as well as your current days. Oh, my God.
2: It, that's such a hard question because it's... In 11 years, I learned so much. I can only imagine. Uh, uh, There's so much. I would say what we've been talking about is probably in the top three, be yourself. Right. And so um, uh, seeing her operate as her authentic self in a meeting with the top Mm -hmm. people in the world and some of the most successful, powerful people in the world to see her be herself with those people And to be chatting with a person on the street and she's herself with those people and every increment in between was such a great lesson because I came out of this still working on, you know, a place of like, I have to be perfect. What we were talking about are people pleasing, you know, what, what, what do I want people to think of me instead of just what do I want to think of me? Who, who am I? So being yourself, number one, again, what we've already discussed, trying your best. It's not about being perfect. It's trying your best. Um, and this just popped into my head where you are on Forbes, um, own your own content whenever possible, huge, amazing business decision for her that she and her team made when she bought the show, it was, um, on WLS. And then I think it was within the first year after that first season that she bought it and that it is, she owned that show. So from that point on, I always thought, or just thinking about it, I thought, wow, whenever possible, own your own content, own your own show, own yourself. Let's talk about that because let's, Mm -hmm. let's put a because in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, because had, let's say it been on a major network, she would have gotten a salary and X amount of money as opposed to her owning her studio and her owning that content and her owning her ideas. There were no shareholders that said, uh, Oprah, you can't do that anymore. It was her studio. It was her show and King world distributed that for her, you know, to the other channels. So, I mean, it's kind of obvious, right? She number one owned herself. She didn't have to answer to anybody. That was her show. She could do whatever she wanted. She was free to do whatever she wanted for 25 years. And that, because she was herself and people resonated with that. It was in what, 145 countries around the world. The number one talk show for 25 years and created an enormous amount of wealth for her that she then could do things like create the Oprah Free Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa, which is one of her dreams. Right. So things like that.
1: It, when you were saying that, it reminded me of something. I was talking to a young woman earlier this week and she said, My biggest problem is I can't get money for my project.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I said, no, that's not your biggest problem there's tons of money out there. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Your bigger problem is you don't know what it is you want to do. You're not able to communicate what it is that's important to you. So either you can't communicate it or it's not important enough to you that you can't communicate. So either one, you need to figure out. So you need to go back and really be true to you. Is this what you really want to be doing? How do you communicate that? The money's out there. Absolutely. The, the money is out there, but if people don't know what they're getting or they don't see that passion. So when you're talking about owning your content, I think a lot of times people sell out mm-hmm. because it's like, and I almost did this years ago when I had my startup, I had an offer for a $5 million investment and it's a long story. So I want to get into the details, but it would have turned the company around from what I wanted it to be. And at first, I was like, well, that's really, $5 million, you know, is a good, and this was 10 years ago. It's like, this could take me places. And I didn't do it because it was like, I don't want to be that person working for that company. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather not have the money or find the money somewhere else or keep bootstrapping than doing that. But I see a lot of young women, I was, there's this woman I was talking to the other day saying to me, you know, I'm doing this raise, I'm going for a million dollars. And I was like, first of all, a million dollars is not going to get you to where you want to go. So all you're doing is Selling your soul to someone who's going to own your content, own your intellectual property. For what? For what? So I I think there's a big message in there for people who are starting their own companies. There's money out there. Get the right idea, just like Oprah had the right idea that went against the grain, Mm -hmm. right? As far as what was going on in TV in those days. So can you share that story? Because everybody else was doing the big hype, the Jerry Springer.
2: That was that was before I started working with her. But um, when I think it was in the late 90s, maybe or early. Yeah, late 90s. Everyone started doing kind of exploitive TV. Uh, Jerry Springer, Jenny Jones you know, that genre. And so everybody was doing it because that's what was getting the ratings. So like sheep, right? All, everybody, I mean, that's what the, our, our culture is. Right. People go where the money is. So, um, and so basically, um, she was doing it on the show and didn't feel good about it. So during one summer, during a, a producer's retreat to talk about the content of the, and the theme of the upcoming year, um, and I'm paraphrasing all of this, she decided I'm not doing that anymore. I, that is not why I am doing this show. So we are doing, you know, change your life television. I'm not interested in exploiting people, uh, blah, blah, blah. They went off, they started the season. I'm sure the ratings probably dipped because that wasn't what people are used to. And eventually people started flocking back to her because people were tired of the crappy television. Now it still exists. There's a ton of crappy television out there now. and um, and but people none of them were Oprah, no, exactly, and that is the thing, Thank you that is the thing that catapulted her into the number one show and big time until she and decided to end the show after twenty five years. It was her sticking to her gut to her intuition that that was her higher intention that 's what she wanted to do
1: and I asked you to share that story because that story has helped me so many times since you yeah. shared that with me last year. And whenever I'm doing some, I think some, I, I, once again, I think I know I'm a very creative person and sometimes I am ahead of wherever others are in their creativity, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, what well, with these ideas? And sometimes people just stare at you like, what the hell are you smoking? Right. And I used to be like, oh, you're right. I just need to go and do what everybody else is doing because they're successful and wait for the time for my idea. By then, somebody else has done it, right? Because I used to go into that. If it's a good idea, somebody else would have done it, right? So why am I the first? I'm not that smart that I came Mm. up with this idea. It doesn't mean you have to be that smart. It's just that it's a good idea. And so ever since you told me that story, whenever I go into that space, I always go back to Oprah wouldn't be Oprah if she continued to be Jerry Springer.
2: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That she would not be who she is. Yes. Yeah. So I want to talk about Rikers though. Mm-hmm. To, so tell me about Rikers. Shifting gears. Yes, I know I'm shifting gears I I can like we do it. in our normal conversation. I'm just shifting gears because there's so much we want to cover. So I, I want to go to Rikers.
2: Um Rikers. So um a friend of mine that I met, I was uh a part of a mentoring program called 3. Dot Dash, which is a part of the We Are Family so Foundation. Jess? Yeah. Yes. Oh Jess, yes. yes, our mutual friend. Yes. Oh my god, I love Jess. Yes, me too. I love her. The executive director. Right. So um so through that organization, I met this guy Robert Galinsky, uh, who is mentoring as well, and he has a volunteer group called um, Galinsky Vanguard Volunteer Volunteers. And he asked me, "Hey, I'm going to go to you know, I I go and mentor at Rikers. I do the I go help the boys in on Tuesdays and the girls on Thursday. There's a women's prison there." And he said, do you want to go? And I said, absolutely. And I went and so he had the, um, an event that he did there for the women's prison last March. And he asked me to speak to the girls and some other people came as a part of this event for the girls. It was like unprecedented. I don't think Rikers had ever done anything like this before. And after speaking with these girls, I sat down and felt like, wow, this is one of the top three best things I've ever done in my whole life and connecting with them. So So I've continued to go back with him several times to the boys prison and the women's prison to do work. And I think it's an interesting parallel also about here are these people sitting on Rikers Island prison and they're essentially not free. And there's, there's also an interesting parallel here about the prison of our mind that we keep ourselves in and how I'm working with people, coaching people and on the phone and, they have everything in the world, education, money, access. They feel stuck and they feel like they have nothing. It's it's fascinating. The prison that they are keeping themselves in their own mind. I which, love that to keep in mind the yeah. prison, the prison of your own mind. Right, and that is great that we all have. Yes. And, and, that, and that's what's a great the, five words. Yes. And, and, and it's like when we're in that place of our mental prison that we have put ourselves in, we're in there, And the key is in the lock. And all you have to do is unlock it and open the door. But we choose to keep ourselves there back to the thoughts that we were talking about. Like I'm a perfectionist or whatever it is for you. I'm waiting for somebody else for the key. Yes. When we all have the key, it's so classic. I mean, we're we're just talking metaphors now, right? right? It's like (laughs) every movie, every TV show is based on that. You have the key, the work of Joseph Campbell, a great documentary following Joe. You know, we all have the key. I've not seen that.
1: Oh, it's really good. You would enjoy it. So earlier today you sent me your a list of just free flowing thoughts you have. I love that you do this in the morning and this is one of my to do things is to just jot down those free flowing thoughts. And one of them was about doing the what if mm. that? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I want to talk about that because okay. it, it, I looked at it and I was like, Hmm, I want to know yeah. more about this. So what if tell, tell me about what? If.
2: So that just popped into my mind a couple of days ago. And again, Uh, we're all one mind. I mean, that could get really deep. We won't go there, but it's, it's not like there's any new thoughts, you know, everything's out there. So 2016, one of my things is I'm done with procrastinating. What if I just am not a procrastinator? What if I just stopped telling myself that? How would my life change? And then I Googled what if, and of course there's, ah, there's the book, there's a book called what if, and there's all this whole thing, you know, of what if, and it's such a, the power of what if that might even be the name of someone's book, the power of what if it's brilliant. So at one point I weighed 205 pounds in college. Cause I knew I was gay and I was eating and drinking like a crazy person because I was stuffing my feelings. And now I weigh maybe one forty five or something. But what if at that time I told myself, oh, I thought I just, I'm just heavy. I'm always going to be heavy because I was telling myself, oh, well, there's some heavy people in my family. Maybe that's my genes, you know, or my mom at that point was like, I think you might have a drinking problem. You know, I hope you don't, you you know, our family has the alcohol gene, you know, you hear that stuff. So then I think, oh no, maybe I'm an alcoholic. Well, in hindsight, I realized I was just miserable because I was gay and, you know, was buried, was burying myself in food and alcohol to numb my feelings because I didn't know how to come out. So, now I'm just like a average body weight. You know, once I came out, the, the weight melted off of me and I've never dieted since. So had I kept telling myself that, do you know what I'm saying? Um, what if, um, if, if what we're telling ourselves is causing all this disease and stuff and hold it. I mean, I
1: really believe that. that. I, I really too. do believe that do. that we're keeping all of this stuff in. You know, one of the things I do that I really stopped doing is people like Lewis will say to me, Denise, you're a great mother. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm an OK mom. And because I look at great being perfect. Right. Mm. And I'm not a perfect mom. Nobody is. Right. But I am a great mom. Yeah. But I'm not a perfect mom. Yeah. So I used to always say, oh, no, I'm not a great mom. Now I am like, if Allie's listening to this, she'll be, she'll be like, well, let me tell you. That's funny. <laughs> you ain't so great. <laughs> <laughs> In all seriousness. Um, I, I am a great mom. Yeah. I do the best I can. Can do. Yeah. But, and there are things that I could do better. I look back and I try to give those learnings to others who are younger, who are who have children to say, you know, whether it's being hard on myself, whether it was not listening enough to what Allie was really telling me because we're busy, whatever those learnings were. It doesn't mean that I wasn't a great mom. It
0: That's means right. I was
1: learning along the way. Yes. And the great thing I can do now is pass those learnings on to others yes. so they can be the greatest mom Yes. They can be. So I was the greatest mom and I am the greatest mom yeah. I can be. I love that. The, with That's the knowledge good. and because my heart is a hundred percent, every, every move I make with Allie, my, I'm getting teary eyed. My heart yeah. is a hundred percent in the right place. Mm-hmm. My motives, all that. And whether it's Allie or other people, it doesn't have to be your child. Mm-hmm. When you're there, then you are the greatest. So whether it's work, mm-hmm. so and we have to go. I know, yes, I know. Oh, is this like wow. insane? But is there anything before we, anything you wanted to talk about we haven't talked about?
2: Um, I know there's a
1: ton, so you just have to come back on.
2: Right. But anything
1: well, that you really wanted to talk about we yeah. haven't talked
2: about. Um, no, I think that's it. As far as um I, you, uh, my website is up. Yes, yeah, so I Mo- we're going to go there. Where do we okay. find you? Okay, where do you find <laughs> me? Uh, Libbymore.com and Instagram is LibbymoreGypsyTour and I'm on LinkedIn and, um, I think that's a good place to end. That's the only social media I'm on because right. I decided there's too much. There's for me, I've decided I haven't had a TV in two and a half years. I only read what's important in the news. I don't scan the headlines every day because it's toxic and I'm creating something different in my life right. and I want a different energy. And so I'm keeping it lean. The whole news feed is
1: really getting me down. And I think for, with, with, all of the fake news, all Mm -hmm. of the topics, you know, all of the women are so many things are about how women are going down the tubes, right? It's like women need more sleep. Women need this. Women need that. Women need this. Women need that. It's like, we really aren't that needy. Okay. It's like, we're really not that bad off that men don't need any of this, but women. So I quit writing those headlines because I used to do it with the right intent. It's like five things women need to know to get ahead in life which oh is a little God. different than but it's I'm still stopping doing that which is a little different than women need yeah you know, women need a better man women need a better this women need a better job women need it's like can we look at the positive yeah and start playing into all of the positives that we have
2: yes i want forbes to do a women conversation around this and bring men in as well yes i really do i can't believe we're getting here at the 11th right. <laughs> hour because i'm ready to jump into this conversation um, I agree with you hundred percent. And I want to bring men in on the podcast. Yes. So we will
1: brainstorm that and yeah. maybe we'll do one together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it goes without saying that I love you. It's like, I'm just so happy oh, you're
2: thank here. You so I'm much. so happy I you're here. So
1: much. Me too. Thank you. Okay. So to say I had a great time would be an understatement and to say that I've learned a lot. And I mean, really learned a lot, not just saying that, but taking it to heart every time I'm with Libby. I walk away feeling like there's a different kick in my step. And I mean that by my heart is kind of moving that step. I feel like I have so much more knowledge to make my life and the people in my life make their lives better. And I hope that we did the same for you today. So to make sure you're getting Mentoring Moments the moment it's live, which is every Wednesday, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, just rate and review. It's really easy, and I'd really, really appreciate it because it means a lot. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts about, one, are you trapped in the prison of your own mind? Do you know the way out? Do you even believe you have the keys? to unlock that door, because you do have the keys to unlock that door. Do you ever have one of those boom moments when reality sinks in and you realize what you're spending time on isn't always what's the most important thing to you in your life? Think about that. Is it the people in your life that you're not spending enough time with? Whatever it is, reprioritize. And altering your language to change your goals. That's one I'm definitely doing. Instead of saying I'm a perfectionist, I'm going to go and say I am doing my best. I'm being my best and I'm doing my best. And I'm also going to quit saying I think and just say I know. So a little extra today today. When you buy stuff through my Amazon banner on podcastone.com, a percentage of the purchase goes directly to support the podcast at no extra cost to you. So here's how you do it. You go to podcastone.com, click on Killer Deals link banner, click on Mentoring Moments logo, and you're there. It takes you to the same Amazon that you buy from every single day. You'll see your cart, everything. It's yours. It's simple, and it's a win-win. And where can you find me? Well, that's easy. I'm always on Twitter. I'm at Denise Rastari. And until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter.
0: Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, Forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. What would happen if a well-known Chicago news anchor quit his job ...to drive a car for Lyft? What if he captured the real stories of the real passengers who ended up in the backseat? And what would happen if he aired those stories in a weekly podcast? I'm Anthony Ponce, and I did that. So download Backseat Rider at PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, or subscribe at iTunes.
2: I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States... ...as well as for violating his bail... Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him.
1: The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following following the rule of law is a serious business.
2: He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him.
1: There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff.
2: Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of
1: Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.